someone's already taken that journey before you. So finding someone who started something similar or in the same industry that you can, uh, that can you become a mentee of that you can learn from and not having to recreate uh, some of these experiences that, that uh, someone's already walked that path. There's no reason to make the same mistakes. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to, ch- or always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast, Robert Hartline. And uh, Robert uh, went to high school in, on a military base in Germany, graduated high school, went to school um, in, uh, I think in Tennessee, or then afterwards went to Tennessee after he graduated, um, cause he wanted to go into music only to find out that he didn't like country music, which is kind of a problem given that's uh, Tennessee he was known for. Um, so started selling uh, phones door to door, um, and, and over a period of time opened up, I think over 60 stores selling cell phones had, uh, over 400 employees, um, did that till about a year and a half ago. And then uh, after about a year and a half ago, had some other side hustles that uh, he was pursuing um, with assisting people with cold calls and whatnot, and decided to kind of pursue that full time, um, built up some apps to or applications or software to help people do that, and uh, have been uh, doing or focusing on that ever since. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Robert. Hey, thanks, Devin. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I just gave kind of a, a quick run through to uh, a much longer journey. And uh, so why don't we uh, take uh, take everybody back in time a bit to when you were going to, to high school in Germany? Yeah, so my, my dad was a music teacher uh, on an army base called Baumholder. Um, and uh, it's called the Department of Defense School Systems. And, uh, you know, in any uh, any foreign deployment for U.S.-based troops, they have Dodds there teaching the kids, and I just happened to be uh, in that school, and uh, uh, it was definitely an interesting experience. So you go to high school there, and, you, and you, so you know, graduate, and you're going off to, to college, and I think you'd uh, mentioned that uh, you were going to go in and you studied music or um, music-related things in school. Yeah, yeah, but the game plan was to get in the recording industry, and just like you said, I wasn't I didn't fit right. Uh, I didn't play guitar. I didn't enjoy country music. And uh, I just decided that uh, I needed something new. And I tried to get a job at uh, Holiday Inn as a uh, as uh, as a bag boy and well, did not I get hired. Jump in just I have one question. <laughs> sure. So you go through and you say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to, get, you know, go into country music now. You moved all the way to Tennessee, so you obviously had intentions to do it. But help me understand, because you go into, or did you not like country music, or how did you miss that? Oh, like, well, how so, did you that so you didn't you know, like the industry or the, the good, good, music, good, or? good catch, Devin. Uh, really, I, I came to school at MTSU, which is Middle Tennessee State University. Uh, they have a great program for the recording industry, but uh, it was really centered around a lot of country music. And, uh, you know, everyone was aspiring singer, songwriter, and I just wasn't, that, that wasn't my thing. Uh, I really wanted to get into production side of it. I wasn't looking to be a performer or anything like that. And, um, and, you know, I just, I've never been great at school. I never enjoyed school. Uh, it just never did it for me. And, uh, you know, I, 
I kept going to school when I, when I got my first job, in fact, selling phones door to door. Um, and um, I, in fact, I was in school for the first four years of my career until I finally said, you know, I just don't need this school anymore. It's, it's, it's not serving me and it's, it seems like a waste of time. Oh, okay. So, so it sounds like, and I'm, sounds like I'll probably put words in your mouth and you tell me that they're the wrong words, but it was less to do with the country music in and of itself. And it was more to do with the industry and doing the schooling. And yeah. Yeah. And I just, it, you know, it just wasn't my path. You know, when you're in high school, your, your experience is so limited, right? And you just don't have the opportunities to, you know, explore different things. You don't know what you don't know until you know. <laughs> and uh, th that was my, my case in school for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I got my first job selling a product called Telego as a cordless phone while you're away from the house. I mean, a cell phone while you're away from the house and a, and a cordless phone while you're at home. And that was 1994 when uh, really nobody had a cell phone, but uh, attorneys and, uh, and doctors, right? Uh, all the important people uh, seem to have a, a phone. But um, I did that and uh, I got real lucky one weekend. I got uh, someone to buy a lot of phones. It's really kind of inspired me to really lean into the sales thing. So sounds like it kind of started out as, hey, I need employment, need a job. Here's one that will pay me and I'll go out and sell the phones. And then as you started to gain some traction and get some success, you kind of double down or you continue to more heavily go into that field. And I think over a period of time, you built it up to opening multiple stores and kind of continuing to uh, drill down on that. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I, I worked for other people selling phones for about four years. And uh, then uh, I, I started my company in 99. And um, for the last, uh, you know, 22 years, I had been growing a chain of wireless retail stores throughout the Southeast. Uh, and uh, really, honestly, had a really fun time. I learned a lot. Um, you know, the first 10 years of business, it was just me working in it. And, uh, you know, about that time, I had read uh, the E-Myth. Uh, and then uh, the four hour work week uh, came out uh, similar to that time frame where I read it. And I really started getting engaged and working on the business and being very, uh, uh, you know, intentional about the way I worked. And instead of working in the business, obviously hiring people and scaling and um, and I did that for for a while. And I really didn't have a uh, uh, some accelerated growth until I uh, you know, I'm in EO, which stands for Entrepreneur Organization, and um, I went to a, uh, a, a, I saw, I saw uh, Jack Daly, who is, uh, wrote a book called The Hyper Sales Growth, and basically, it's a book about scaling your, your business by uh, hiring the right uh, VP of sales, which I was always typically the sales leader in terms of leading the sales team, and I hired someone else to kind of lead the sales team and and run that. And I was able to, you know, scale from uh, about 10 million a year in, in revenue to nearly hundred million in, in revenue in less than three years uh, by just, you know, following a couple of core principles. One was uh, have, hiring someone else to be the BVP. And then number two, um, I followed the EOS method, uh, the, the entrepreneur operating system, you know, from a book called Traction. It really helped me scale at that point. 
Now you say, okay, I'm going to, so give us an idea. So when you scaled over uh, what period of time and to how big did you get? Uh, we got uh, just, just at 10 million. Uh, we were 10 million to hundred million in sales in less than three years. Um, and um, I ended up selling the business uh, last December. Uh, it was, you know, there was a merger that happened and, and we, uh, we were on the losing side of a merger uh, which needed, which meant we, we, we needed to sell the business, which, you know, in hindsight, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to call it a good news story down the road, but today I'm a little bit frustrated how it panned out, but that's how business runs sometimes. Right. No, I think that, uh, that, uh, makes sense. And, you know, timing is always, or is it's always in the timing. So now you, uh, you grew the businesses, you, you know, you got to a pretty good amount of scale. You, you, you know, you looked at bringing on the right team members and otherwise getting that in place. And for quite a while, you know, you or had a, a large, you know, large amount of stores and you were running a pretty good empire, so to speak. Now it's at one point, it sounds, sounds like you were running or doing also a bit of a side hustle for cold calling and, and building up some of that. What kind of, or how did that start out? And then how did that uh, transition into being your full-time gig? Yeah, so in uh, 2012, I had a, a real negative experience with a, one of my outside sales members, sales team members, and um, you know, I, I had tried lots of different CRM solutions, and I decided if I had an app that would log all the face-to-face -face meetings and all the calls and emails, uh, I would have a better representation of what the sales team is doing actually in the field. And so um, I started building uh, with the development team uh, call proof as an app for field salespeople. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to have a sales team that you manage that you see every day, you see them making calls, you're there answering their questions. But if you are trying to grow your small business and you are uh, in the neighborhood pulling on doors and going to see businesses uh, you really need a system to, number one, capture the information. And our system automatically imports name, address, and phone number automatically from Google. So it's super quick and easy uh, to log that visit. And then we actually put a GPS stamp on it. So we know that that salesperson was actually there. And if they call them, we know they actually called them. And I was really solving uh, my own problem with the software and uh, so we built that and then built other tools for the inside sales team for my own organization to take the downtime that happens in retail and make it uh, and maximize it by getting the team to call and follow up with existing customers and find new customers. And it had a tremendous impact on our bottom line using it internally. Now you say, okay, this is kind of, and a lot of times it's always interesting, you know, you build a tool and it's for out of necessity of, hey, we need this internally, there isn't the right thing out there. And so, you know, we're left with either not or going without or building this and hopefully, you know, then you build it and it has a lot more efficiency and it's a worthwhile return. So now as you're doing that, you build it internally, you start to use it, it has a good return. What kind of prompted you to say, okay, now we're going to turn that and start to sell it or otherwise market it to other businesses that may be uh, using it? Kind of what was that trigger to say, hey, we've got all these stores, we're running it, we're using it internally. Now we're going to make this into its own business. Well, honestly, I had several co customers that I was selling phones to that would describe the same pain point. And it was all the same. You know, you uh, if you want to grow your business, 
you can do it by you selling yourself or you can find someone who's better at selling than you. Right. And that's, you're not always going to find that, but there are really good salespeople out there that, that you can do that. And the, the problem that I had was, was very similar to what most people have. You train someone, you spend weeks and weeks teaching them every single nuance about your business. And then you send them out to the universe and just hope for the sales to come back in. And um, if, if uh, you have a longer sales cycle, you really don't know if someone is good or not because the sales cycle is so long. Well, in the wireless business, if I go and visit with uh, people five hours a day, pulling on doors, I know for a fact, I will have five sales by the end of the day. I just know how the, the numbers work. Cause I had been doing it so much and I had, you know, rep after rep that we would, you know, train onboard and, we wouldn't discover that they weren't really working for about 30 days after, uh, after it was really too late, you know? And so uh, that's why we needed to build something. And, and I changed up my whole model, how I trained, you know, my new model uh, was I'd bring someone in, I'd spend a couple of days training. I would have, I would give them some template uh, flyers that they had, I'd print out a number on them. And I would have them go visit uh, for that first week. And if they did the activity after that first week, then I would spend time and energy actually getting them trained properly. You got to see if they have drive first. Otherwise, you're going to find someone that's going to be very happy with a salary, but not do a lot of effort. Now you say, okay, this is one that is solving your own problem. You're, you know, solving the problem that was for you. And then also found that a lot of people you were working with or that were customers had the same problem to say, okay, you know, too hard to bring someone on, wait a month or even sometimes longer so for some sales position, only to find out that they're not effective. Now I basically paid them for that period of time. And you could have either one, you could have, if they were doing it incorrectly, given opportunity to train or two to say, hey, we've got to cut our losses. They're not going to be the good fit for what we're doing. In either case, it provides that information earlier on. So you build that out work it, do it internally. And then how did, you know, and I think this was what about two or a year and a half ago, two years ago, when you started to sell that to other individuals? Oh, no, we, we, we've had call proof going for uh, since 2012. So, you know, uh, we're going into our 10th year uh, and we, we started selling it as, as soon as we built it for our own use. And then, you know, as time went on, we, we added a ton to the platform. So, you know, now salespeople, you know, I really have two customers that I have to service the guy with a credit card, which is the company business owner who wants to grow his sales by scaling a sales organization. But my true customer is the sales rep. So I have to build a tool that is number one, super easy for them to use. And number two, add more value. And in the app, we have a tool that makes it easy for them to identify prospects in the neighborhood. So we have 26 million businesses already loaded by industry SIC code, employee size, that you can click one button, it shows you people that you could be likely selling to. So if I was selling to uh, attorneys, for instance, I can hit the attorney button, click it on a map, circle it and create a route so I can efficiently see a lot of people in my day and automatically log those visits as I go along. So the, uh, you know, the, 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 the value piece is, is um, for sales reps to make sure they see more people and they earn more money because that's ultimately helping them be more successful. 
Sure. No, that definitely makes sense. Now, one other follow-up question to that is, you know, so you had it, 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 the stores, you had the cell phone companies that was going along. You said, okay, we build this out of our own use and we're going to, can you know, use it for our own internal training for our sales, but also sell to others. Now, what was the tipping point? So I think along the way, at some point you, or more recently, you sold the stores or you shut those down or whatnot, and you made the transition to this being your full-time focus. So what kind of was the, the trigger or what made or caused that transition? Uh, well, for me, uh, you know, I, I have been in retail for a long time in, in the business. You know, I had people that ran the business, but I was, uh, you know, it's, it's a very stressful business to be in, in retail. And in 2020, it was even more stressful. It was incredibly stressful uh, during 2020. Um, and uh, in our business, uh, not only are you uh, making stores stay staffed, paying people and managing inventory and things like that. It's, it's, it has a lot of fraud and a lot of theft, whether it's an employee stealing or uh, armed robberies in the daytime or organized uh, crime rings at night, burglarizing it. It's a very business stressful business. And uh, that's ultimately when I started uh, call proof back almost 10 years now, I made sure that uh, I was going to be in a business that was not retail. So when I eventually were to sell, I would have a business that uh, is definitely scalable, but does not have the stress on nights and on the weekends. No, I think that that, uh, that certainly makes sense. So now you say, okay, COVID hits, first of all, it hit retail all really hard. You're now getting impacted with other, you know, addition increase in crime theft and other things and the, the stress and that you're saying hey i don't know that i want to be in the retail game i'd rather go and focus my time and talents you know fully over here so now as you made that transition maybe looking back just a bit was it a good idea would you is it been one where you put your t- full time and focus on it the business continued to grow or is it one where it's also been hit or you know because one of the one the questions i had is you know cold calling works great other than if you were in COVID, then it's also going to be a hard one because people aren't going to be opening their doors or they may be worried or they're locked down or whatnot. And so have you seen something to where it's still continued to be able to grow and prosper? You've had to pivot or how are things gone there? You know, initially the first, uh, the first couple of months, we had customers that were, uh, you know, very worried, concerned. And then we navigated many of them into uh, tracking their, uh, their Zoom calls uh, and, and increasing the number of actual phone calls instead of, you know, face-to-face visits. But uh, clients quickly realized that they had to be, uh, you know, feet on the street, even during COVID, doing it safely with masks. And the, the business is growing uh, faster than I would imagine it w- would have during COVID. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with the cold call, now I'm not talking about a phone call that's cold. I'm talking about a stranger walking in and talking about your products that you sell to anybody is the oldest strategy ever, you know, but next to um, growing your business through referrals, which is by far the best way, a word of mouth, that is the best way. That next one is, is a physical cold call. And um, if you do it in volume and your team is taught the right way uh, to, to do it, that constant awareness in the marketplace, if you have a hundred prospects in your town that you could likely sell to, and you identify that we help clients do that. We, we literally build their list 
And then if you stay in front of those hundred clients in a nice, steady, steady tempo, you're bound to crash into an opportunity and close more business. And so that's why people kind of flock to some kind of way to grow their business. And of all the tools you see online, like a drip sequence or, you know, all these wigs bang things, whether it's Google AdWords or Facebook or online marketing, all those things can work. But right now there's a business in your neck of the woods that are a few blocks away. If you just pull on that door, hand out a card, there's an opportunity waiting for somebody. No, I think that that, that that definitely makes sense and sounds like it's a, con, it's a, a great and ongoing opportunity. So well, with that, now as we've kind of uh, caught up a bit to where you, you know, where you came from, what your journey is and uh, bringing it up a, a bit into the present, it's a, a great time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each podcast. Um, so the first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? I can look back and tell you uh, some of the worst business decisions I've made was under the influence of alcohol. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I decided five years ago to, uh, to stop drinking and uh, I have not looked back. Um, you know, for the first couple of years, it's always awkward going to a party or hanging out with people at a bar or in a social situation. But once you kind of get over that, uh, that was good. But I, I can look at the business decisions that were made from emotions were always influenced by alcohol. And so I always say whenever I have that, that question from people, and I've made a ton of mistakes, <laughs> but I look at all of them and go, well, why did I make those? And it seemed to be uh, a reoccurring theme that alcohol was involved, involved in some way. Well, it sounds like uh, it's a lesson, you know, and what's interesting, and I said, I personally don't drink any alcohol, but the industry that I'm in, which is a legal industry, has one of the, the highest uh, alcohol or people that uh, turn into alcoholics rate. And it's one where attorneys often, more often than not, are in that a bit of that same build of where when you have alcohol involved, it affects their practice. And that's oftentimes what leads to attorney's downfall. So I think that there's a lot of wisdom in that of looking and saying, hey, what are the causes or the reasons why sometimes things don't work out or I make bad decisions? And then how do I remedy it? So I think that's a, a great takeaway. Second question I always ask is, um, if you're talking now to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? <clears throat> Number one, someone's already taken that journey before you. So finding someone who started something similar or in the same industry that you can, uh, that can you become a mentee of that you can learn from and not having to recreate uh, some of these experiences that, that uh, someone's already walked that path. There's no reason to make the same mistakes. No, and I think that that, you know, oftentimes if you're, there's two ways that you can learn from mistakes. You can either learn from the mistakes of others, or you can go and make the mistakes yourself. And one certainly costs a whole lot more time, money, and effort, which is doing it yourself and learning them the hard way. Now, sometimes you just, there, there are some lessons that you just have to learn because, you, you know, it's one that there isn't, a, you're not able to learn from others' mistakes until you make it yourself. But a lot of times I think that there's ability to see what others have done, what other mistakes they made or missteps they've had, and then be able to say, hey, now learning from that, I can or I can get that much farther ahead and, and not have to recreate those. So I think that's a, a great takeaway. 
Well, as people want to reach out to you, if they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, absolutely. Best is email robert at callproof.com. All right. Well, that's an easy way. Definitely encourage people to reach out, make those connections. And if you're uh, in the, the market for uh, assistance in uh, cold calling and sales and that this product would be beneficial, certainly a great connection to have. Well, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Um, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners. Make sure to click subscribe. Make sure to click sure to make sure if I can not get to it, tongue twisted. Make sure to click subscribe, like, and leave us a review because we're really looking to share all these awesome journeys with all those other entrepreneurs out there to help them along their journey as well. So make sure to, to do all three of the above. And last but not least, if you ever need help with patents, trademarks, or copyrights, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Thank you again, Robert, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin. Take care. <laughs>